Okay, praise the Lord. Let's be seated now. You want the musicians to stop there or just uh, keyboard? Just the keyboard. Just keep playing by the keyboard. God bless you, please. Okay, great. Welcome, everyone. Great to have you all here. And uh, we're glad to be back again. We've had a wonderful time in South Africa, but New Zealand is the place. Great to be here. Great to be together. And uh, just so glad you've come. And uh, yesterday we had a chance to have a meeting already with Charlie and then this morning with the uh, businessman. And uh, just, it was just very inspiring. God came and started to touch people. This morning they tell me the kids' church worship team were all out on the floor under the presence of God. Is that right? Great time. Praise the Lord. Well, let me just tell you how I met Charlie. And uh, I've been feeling this year we need to uh, have a fresh prophetic flow into the church. A great season as we celebrate 21 years as a church. So just looking for just who God would bring and felt it needed to be fresh. Someone who doesn't know us. And uh, Ian had been telling me about uh, some of these guys in Canada and what God was doing over there. And he met up with them and said, well, come on, throw some names to me. And so we're sitting down there talking to him. And he told me two names, one from Canada, one from Malaysia. I said, that sounds right to me. I'll, uh, I'll make a contact with them. And... Uh, and so I was thinking, oh, man, I've got to meet these guys. I've got to get these guys to come over here to New Zealand. And so I was in Taiwan with Joy, and we uh, did some ministry around. And then we got to stop off at someone's house. They're looking after us. And uh, anyway, they said, oh, I've got some people staying in the house next door. So, okay, and they come in for breakfast. So that's great. God, I was there. So this Malaysian guy turns up. And uh, I said, hi, how you doing? He said, I said, what's your name? He said, oh, Jedediah. And uh, I said, hi, how you doing, Jedediah? And they talk about thick. You know, we're sitting down there, and I said, wouldn't it be Jedediah Tam, would you? from Malaysia and he said I am I said I can't believe it I was just talking yesterday to someone about you and saying we want to get you to come out to our nation and uh, we're talking about you and another guy by called call Charlie Robinson oh he's just next door too and they were staying in the same house the house just next door to us on the same property owned by the same people so I said this I gotta see so I went I said I'm going over there right now so I finished we just went up and straight back next door and knocked on the door and, and then Charlie come down and uh He'd been wanting to catch up with me too because his son Sam was here. And uh, so that's how it came that he's come to be here. Divine connection. So divine connection. We believe that God's got something great. I'm going to tell you a lot about him. He's a great man of God, carries a great anointing of God, moves in a powerful prophetic flow. And I want you to really make him welcome, receive him. And let's go. Come on, Sam, stand up. Great to have Sam back with us. Come on. And Sam also moves and carries his dad's anointing, moves in a very sharp prophetic flow too. But uh, we had him hidden away while he was here. So all of you who discerned that went over there, he prayed for you. Those who didn't discern it at all, shame on you. <laughs> anyway, Charlie, let's give him a great Hawks Bay welcome as he comes to minister. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can you close your eyes this, this afternoon? You know, I had uh, right at the top of my notes uh, that this afternoon that we're heading for a, uh, an encounter with God and that it's God's desire this afternoon for a habitation. That's what I've written down, not a visitation. And uh, it's God's desire for this place. And I could feel the Holy Spirit. And he spoke to me and said... Uh, are there habitations in this house tonight, this afternoon? Are there habitations in this place this afternoon? Who wants to be a habitation of the Holy Spirit where he can come and dwell in you and live in you and through you and have his way in you and come and rest in you? And just like Noah released the dove 
and it came back. And then finally he released it. It didn't come back. He said, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for a place of habitation this afternoon. Why wait for tonight or tomorrow night? Let's do it this afternoon. Let's allow God to come and have his way. You see, the kingdom of heaven is so near. It's at hand, Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is always at hand. And so God, today, this afternoon, God, our desire is God to enter into a habitation with you. You and us and us and you. And God, this afternoon, I pray for visitation of your glory, visitation of your presence that turns into habitation, dwelling. We want to be a dwelling place of God. Lord, a dwelling place of God today and forever. Lord, that we might know you, that we might see your face and that we might really walk with you and talk with you because God, you're the God of the miraculous and everywhere we go, we can see miracles because you're the God that answers by fire. And so Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your glory. Come, we want to see your glory. We don't just want to talk about it or feel it. God, we want to see your glory. Oh, just have a big drink. Hallelujah. In the spirit. If you know how to drink, take a drink right now. Wow. God, we just take a drink. A drink from the river. Revelation 22 says there's a river that proceeds from the throne of God. And it says you can drink from that river freely, which means without cost and as much as you want. So God, today we drink freely from the river of life. Fill us up today. We thank you for your presence. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. You're so awesome. You're so mighty. Hallelujah. We just give you praise. We just give you glory. We just give you honor. Thank you, Lord. God, let your glory come. Let your glory fill this place. And let your anointing come. Hallelujah. And your glory and your presence and your power. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, let your fire. Just close your eyes. We just want a shubarabarandarabaranda. We just want a shabaranda. Ruba, shabarandarabaranda. We just want a boomba. You say, what is that? I don't know. But it's, you see, that's, that's God speaking through me. I do know one thing. It's full of glory. Hallelujah. Listen, in the presence of the Lord, there's joy forevermore. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. Hallelujah. Well, thank you. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, can you say amen? You know what? You can drink in the kingdom of God day or night, anytime. Did you know that? We just need to learn how to drink. Maybe afterwards, we'll just take one big corporate drink from the river. We do that in different places. We did that in Taiwan. We just, uh, you know, we don't take it. We do it by faith because everything you do, you do in the kingdom, you do by faith. And uh, sometimes we just make big barrels by faith and we just drink from the river like little children because Jesus said that suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, and it's very interesting that statement that Jesus made because he said suffer the little children to come unto me. You know who the little children are? They're not the nine, the 10, the, the 11 years old. The little children are like the three and the four and the five, the little children. And you know what little children can do? They can do just about three things. It's about it. Eat, drink and play. And they love to play. And you see, sometimes we get serious, so serious in church that we don't realize in the presence of the Lord, there's joy forevermore. The Bible says, having not seen him, yet we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so today I'm believing for impact in the spirit 
in your life. Also, you know what? Don't wait for the end to get healed. You can get healed sitting right there. We were in Stockton, California, a little while ago, and uh, this lady was in a wheelchair, and they wheeled her in, and they also wheeled in this great big machine, and it had a whole bunch of knobs on it, and, and she was all hooked up to this thing, and, and it, it was hooked up to her nose and her lungs, and she couldn't breathe with, without it, or she would collapse. And uh, in the middle of the, uh, of the service, the Lord says, get the, get the worship team back up. So they, get, they came back up, and they started ministering. I said, play something peppy. Is that a word here, peppy? Something, you know, lively. And, uh, and so they did, and the glory of God began to move. And all of a sudden, there was a scream at the back. And this lady unhooked herself from her machine, jumped out of the wheelchair, came up and danced for a whole hour right up at the front. And you know why? In the presence of the Lord. You see, in the presence of God's glory, in the presence of who God is, because if he is God, which he is, he's able to fix your broken bodies instantly. He's able to release healing into your body without anybody laying hands on you. And this woman, God totally healed her. That was her testimony. And she could walk, she could jump, and boy, could she dance. And the last we saw of her, she walked out the door. Somebody was carrying a wheelchair, and the other person was carrying her machine. And out the door they went. Hallelujah. That's what can happen in the presence of the Lord. And sometimes we're going to drink by faith. Maybe we'll even do it in a few minutes. We just drink. I tell you what, if there's any religion in you, it'll go away quick. Hallelujah. When you drink. Because you've got to do something to get outside of your dignity zone. See, young people like doing this stuff because they're not afraid to lose their dignity. Did you know that? That's, they're willing to take a risk. And you see, but sometimes we get a bit older and, and it costs us our dignity. If you want to enter into the glory of God and be a habitation, it will cost you some dignity. That's just the way it goes. Hallelujah. But it's a good thing. We don't need our dignity anyway. We think we do, but we don't. Because I'll tell you what, do you guys have, uh, what's that show in, in Canada? Uh, Fear Factor. Have you ever seen that? Do they have that here? They eat worms and they hang off buildings. Do you know why, do you know why that's on TV? That's so that the whole world is ready for you. Hallelujah. No, they're ready for you. They're tired of actors. They're tired of Christians playing games and acting. They're looking for extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that should be the church. And you see, the world is ready for the glory of God. But are we? Hallelujah. Because it, it, it gets you out there. When you drink from the river, you'll never be the same. Really, when you drink from the river and you learn how to drink, and God begins to show up in your bedroom and at work, and God begins to do miracles all around you, and all of a sudden people that are blind begin to see. And we've seen many people healed without praying for them. Because I believe when the glory of God comes, God can touch people and walk down the aisle. And we were in uh, Taiwan, and there was this lady, and uh, she had four broken bones in her back. She'd been into uh, China for 14 years in the underground church. She'd been beaten up by the uh, police there. And they, they shipped her out of the country. They kicked her out, and she had four broken bones in her back. Her cheekbones were broken. Her jawbone was broken. And it looked like she had a stroke. She couldn't open her mouth. She could only drink fluids, and she'd been in pain for months and months and months. And I saw this woman, and I, I just felt terrible. And uh, while I was ministering, I felt this weight of glory. Have you ever felt the weight of glory? The Bible talks about a weighty glory. And it was in my left hand. I felt like this weight. It was like a bowling ball. And I'm ministering like this. You know, people are looking at me, and I'm just I'm going like, man, what is this? And God says, it's uh, Dorcas was her name. It's Dorcas's healing tonight. And I said, Tonight? He goes, like, right now, call her up. So we called her up. And this woman, she, she moved at, like, minus one mile an hour. She moved like this. That's all. That's the best she could do. And she couldn't talk. She could sort of mumble. And since she spoke Chinese, that made it worse. I couldn't even understand that, let alone the interpreter. And so, anyway, she came up, and, and I said, uh, are you, do you have pain? She said, I'm full of pain. She said, I can't open my mouth. She said, I have to eat liquids. And she told us all that stuff. And so I put my hand in her head. And when I put my hand in her head, she did the banana. You ever seen the banana? Whoa! Her head went way back to there. And she just stood like that. And then, bam, she hit the floor. And all her staff rushed up because 
She couldn't do that. Her bone was, her back was fused in four places. So she was like this permanently. And then she just went like this and went down. And God said this, take a big drink for Dorcas. For the, with the people. And I said, we're going to take a drink by faith. You know what we're going to do this? This is a good thing to do. I like doing this. Sometimes glass, people's glasses stop working. They don't need glasses anymore. When we do this, gold dust shows up. Diamonds fall from heaven. Really, they do. They fall right from heaven. People put them in rings. I mean, God just starts pouring out his glory and manifesting his glory in ways that you can see it. Because both you and I want to see the glory of the Lord. I want to see, and my promise is I'm going to see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living, which means where I live. Not just when I die and go to heaven, but where I live. Hallelujah. David said, I would have fainted had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that word goodness is tube, T-U-W-B, which is the same word that God used when Moses said, show me your glory. God said, I'll cause all my goodness, T-U-W-B, to pass before you so you can see it, not just feel it. Hallelujah. And so sometimes God just starts manifesting in healing and he manifests wonderful things from heaven like gold dust. I'm believing for all that this weekend. How about you? And you know, it's not the end all, but it's a sign that God is with us. Hallelujah. I want to see the glory of the Lord because when the glory of the Lord comes upon the church, that's when the nations will come. Isaiah 60 verse 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5. It says when the glory of the Lord comes upon us, nations are going to come. Hallelujah. And so when this woman was on the floor and all her staff were around her trying to pick her up, she couldn't move. She just flopped. She was gone. She wasn't home. She was just on the floor. God said, have a big drink. And I had everybody stand up and, and we took these barrels. And by faith, we just drank from the river a couple of times. And of course, I got pretty drunk in the spirit. And that's okay. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden there was these screams. This just happened in, in September, like last September. Ian's going to be there in, in a couple of months, but next month. Yeah, and in the same church where God showed up. And all of a sudden, this woman was up, and she started doing a dance. Now, this woman couldn't stand up normal, let alone dance. And she was doing the two-step, and I looked at her, or the three-step, and I looked at her mouth, and she was just singing away, and I thought, man, God's healed her mouth. He healed all her bones. Oh, what? And then, bam, she goes down into the power, and she was out for hours. So I left and went home. But I told the pastor, I want to see that woman tomorrow. So for lunch, we had lunch with Dorcas and her husband. Her husband wasn't at the meeting. But when he walked in the door, here comes Dorcas walk, walking totally normal. This is impossible to walk totally normal and upright when you have four broken bones fused in your back. It's impossible to be talking and your mouth totally normal and sitting down eating food for the first time in months or years or how long it was and chewing food and your mouth is, is working normally. It's impossible. But we serve the God of the impossible. Where man, these things are impossible. With doctors, they're impossible. With God, all things are possible. And her husband, he couldn't talk. He said something. He just sort of mumbled. His, he had the numbskull anointing. I mean, he didn't know what was going on except his wife was healed. And he was so happy, he just sat there weeping and weeping and weeping. Because God healed his wife. And uh, she was just... And here's what she said. Now listen to what she said. It was so awesome. God is so good that he'd want to use us like this. He said, Charlie... She said, Charlie, when you laid hands on my head... She said, I went to heaven. I just wasn't here. I stood before Jesus. I felt like a little girl. And Jesus said, tonight, I'm healing your back. See, Jesus is the one that's doing it. All we got to do is be obedient to do what he tells us to do. That's it. He gets all the glory, but he also does all the work. Hallelujah. And so she said, Jesus said, I'm going to heal your back. But he told her this, but I want to heal your cheek and your, and your uh, jawbone too tonight. And, and he says, but you're going to have to drink by faith. 
from the river. And she said, as I was saying to the people, I want you to drink by faith. At the identical moment, she said, Jesus in front of her was saying, I want you to drink by faith. And I remember that night, because usually I just say, you know, have a drink. But I kept on saying, let's drink by faith. Drink by faith. She said, at the same time, Jesus was saying, drink by faith. Drink by faith right now. Can you imagine that? But she was saying, Lord, I can't open my mouth. He said, drink by faith. You see, some Christians don't want to open their mouth because we don't want to lose our dignity. But it's good for us to lose a little bit of dignity. You know, when the glory of God came in in the ark and and David was there, he got so happy. He danced and his clothes fell off. So thank God that hasn't happened to you. But he danced and got radical. Why? Because the presence of God was returning to the temple and he got so happy that he danced and became quite undignified. And his wife came and said, what do you do? And look what, in front of all these people. And he said this, I will be even more undignified than this. And you know, there's a demand upon the church because God is looking at the church today. And he's saying, who will follow me? And, and the call is come and follow me. But come and follow me will cost you something. Mostly, you know what it'll cost you? <laughs> Your dignity. Right, really. And that's a big cost for some people because they like to look good. Yeah, they do. You know, I used to be on TV. I see quite a bit. And, I, and, and you know why? Because I play basketball and I have records in college basketball in Canada. I scored a lot of points and I, and I have, still have records. And uh, I don't know if you know, but he probably never told you. My son was the number one ranked basketball player in Canada for a year and a half. High school basketball player. Number one in Canada. Steve Nash, who won the MVP of the National Basketball Association this last year and may win it again this year. Sammy played in the same league as he did. The same league as he did like several years after, and won double the, the MVP trophies in high school that Steve Nash did. But he won't tell you that, so you probably don't know that. But you see, he gave it up. He was willing to leave that to go on and serve God and travel the world with his dad. With his dad! And hang out with his dad. Woo! You know, there's sometimes you have to leave things to move in to what God has for you. He's not only the God that will open the door. I'm not preaching yet, by the way. I'm just treading water. He, he really, I am. He, he's the God that opens doors that no man can close, but also close doors that no man can open. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start. Why not start off with taking a drink? Let's stand up. How many want to take a drink by faith? I do. And you know, if you've never done this, this will be good for you. Hallelujah. Let God touch you. I just sense the intimacy of the Holy Spirit this afternoon. He's saying, I, I just want to touch my people right now. This is all about letting God touch you. It's nothing more. Not about making a spectacle. You know, we're all going to close our eyes. This is all about taking a drink by the river. Because the Bible says there is a river. In the book of Revelation 22, verse 1 says it proceeds from the throne of God. And right at the end of the chapter, it says that we can drink freely from the river. Whoever wants to, whoever will, let him drink freely. Freely means as much as you want. And without cost. I sense the Holy Spirit right now. Because we're going to take a drink. Oh, hallelujah today. And so we're not going to make our cup. Forget the cups. Some of us, we need a barrel. And so we're going to make a barrel. Here's how you make a barrel. It's real simple. Here it is. Barrel. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Now, there is a river. Okay. So we're going to dip our barrel in the river of life by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. <laughs> we're going to tip back our head. We're going to open our mouth. And we're going to drink, 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 bam. Wow. Yes, Lord. 
We're going to drink from the river this afternoon. You know what? There's no age limit on drinking either, by the way. You can drink from the river freely. We're going to take one more drink. God, we're going to drink on behalf of all the churches that don't like to do this stuff today. Hallelujah. Father, we're just going to make our barrel. We're going to dip it in the river. We're going to open our mouth and tip back our head. And we're going to drink, 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 glug, 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 glug. Bam! Shabarabaranda, Yes, Lord. Lord, just let these young people have it today in the name of Jesus. Just let your glory come. Father, mess them up today with your glory. Mess them up in the anointing today, Father. Come and wreck us today. God, may we never be the same again. Let your fire come. Let your anointing come upon these youth. Mess them up real good. Hallelujah. God, rest, rest Shabbat, mess us up too. I want to be messed up, Lord. God, I don't want to be the way I was yesterday. I want to be more hungry, more thirsty. So, Father, fill us up. Mess us up. Wreck us this afternoon. In Jesus' name. What a good prayer. Hallelujah. Woo! Oh, that's good. Well, some of you are still drinking. Keep drinking. That's okay. Just keep receiving. The Holy Spirit is jealous over you. He wants you not only full. He wants you filled and overflowing. Filled and overflowing. Hallelujah. Bam! In the name of Jesus. Lord, let your glory come today. Fill the temple. Lord, I thank you that these people are going into revival. Hallelujah. And when you go into revival, God wants to inebriate you a little bit just to prepare you. <laughs> Woo! And so, God, we, just, we give you our dignity or what's left of it. I thank you for breaking chains right now. God is breaking chains in our mindsets. He's breaking chains in the way we do things. He's breaking chains in our order. He's coming because he wants to come in, give us a, give us a wider order. He wants to come in with the river, not only wide, deep, 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 deep. He wants to go deep, 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 deep. He wants to go deep, 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 deep. Lord, we just pray you'd go deep today. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Deep, 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 deep. What, what about deeper? Hallelujah. Yes, deep, 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 deep. Deep calleth unto deep at the sound of your waterfall. Deep, 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 deep. Lord, deep, 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 deep. Shaba, shuba, shabarabaranda. Shabaranda, deep, deep, deep. Yes, Lord. Yeah, Lord, mess us up. Wow, Hallelujah. You see, God's going to answer your prayer, give you revival, but it's not going to look the way you think it would look like. <laughs> it, will not, it will not look the way you think it would look like. But if you'll embrace it, it'll be better than what you thought it would look like. Hallelujah. So God, we just embrace you and God, what you're bringing. Oh, man. Yeah, fill us up, Lord. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us. Listen, there's angels just over you like. Releasing whatever God is releasing. So God, we just receive it today. In the name of Jesus. Just help me to preach a little bit at least, God. But wreck us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! In the presence of the Lord is joy. Forevermore. Joy unspeakable and full of boom-bah. Hallelujah. 
We just receive it from the front to the back. Side to side, we receive your joy, unspeakable and full of shabarandarabaranda. Bam! We receive it. Hallelujah. Bam! Hallelujah. So this is what New Zealand revival looks like. I like it. Hallelujah. Being wrecked and drinking at 3.30 in the afternoon. Oh, that's good, Lord. Ah. Woo! Praise God. You know, God has appointed you for revival. A walkie-talkie revival. But yeah, I guarantee you, you won't be able to walk straight. When revival comes, no, no, no. In your heart you will. But you see, God wants to mess you up. He wants to do things. In fact, the Bible says that He wants to do things that if He were to tell you, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> wow. That's good. Glory. Well, you know what? Let's drink one more time. Do you guys have Presbyterians here? Is there such a thing as... You don't? You do. We're going to drink for the Presbyterians. Hallelujah. I just feel that God wants to bless... You can, you can bless the Presbyterians. Do you know that this church... This is the word of the Lord. Do you know that this church covers other churches? God told me last night. You cover other churches through your worship. You do. Now, they may think you're a little bit wild and on the edge, but that's okay. You know why? You cover them. And when you're worshiping like that, they may not want to worship like that, but you're covering them because God's in the cities and God uses you, your worship sitting here. Not, yeah, they were, use the worship team, but they use you sitting halfway down, just worshiping God. God will use you to cover other Christians in your city with your worship. And when you see that God can use you like that, you know what? You start blessing other churches because they're a part of you and you're a part of them. And you'd be surprised. Some of those churches you go, oh, I don't know. You know, they're, they're a little bit dry. You know what? They, they, they work at things that you and I don't work at. They preach things on Sunday, good things that we might not preach a whole lot on. So they cover us in those areas. And so you know what? We're part of one body. And so I believe that today, this weekend, that we're not, this is not just, some, I don't, I haven't come here for a good service. I want to see God move in your city, in your area. In the Bay Area here, the whole area, so that God will come and to get all the glory when it's all over. But I would caution you one thing. I said last night, same thing. Oh, man. <laughs> don't do what I did. Don't look at that guy and you're sitting there, man. God, I hope you don't make me like that guy. Don't do that. Do you know? No, you'll be worse than me. You will be. <laughs> you'll be shaba boom bada bada. That'll happen. Because God. Is looking for vessels. I did that. I said, that's shaking stuff, Lord. I don't know what that's about. Now I'm like, Saba, boom, ba, boom, ba, ra, ba, da, bam. But you know what? It's all good. One more drink for the Presbyterians. Oh, Jesus. Lord, you love the Presbyterians in every church in this city. And we make a declaration that as we meet, we are meeting on behalf of the city. We're meeting on behalf of the people of God. We want to bless them by taking a big drink on their behalf. So we make our barrels today. We dip it in the river, we dip back our head, and we drink on behalf of the Presbyterians and bless them in Jesus' name. Glug, 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 bam, boom, bam. Fill us up and Lord, touch every church in this city. Wow. That's good stuff. Well, ha ha ha. Okay. 
Hallelujah. Well, that's good. If you, if you can be seated, you might want to do that. If you can't, that's good. You can stand. You can lay on the ground. As long as you're ready to receive what God has for you. You know, when we come to a meeting like this, it's a banquet table. The Bible says he brought me to his banquet table. You didn't bring yourself. God brought you today. He brought me to his banqueting table. And his banner over me is love. My, I, you know, many years ago, I said, Lord, wherever I minister, whatever I'm ministering on, I want that when people leave, I want them to experience one thing more than anything else, and that's your love. Not that it was a great meeting, there was great prophecy, and mir- even the miracles, but when they walk away, they have a, a brand new revelation of the love that God has for them, because that's what will change you. I used to struggle with loving God as a young person. I mean, struggle. I'm like, God, I just don't love you enough. I want to love you more. I used to fast and pray to love God more. And then one day in the middle of my fasting and praying and seeking, God, God, I want to love you. And I mean, really praying. And God said, stop praying. You ever have God tell you stop praying? He told me. He's told me several times. Because there's a time to pray and then there's a time to stop praying and receive. And sometimes we just keep on praying and God's there. Uh, uh, I mean, he wants to butt in and give you what you prayed for. And he says, stop praying. He said, Charlie, this is love. Not, not how much you love me, but how much I love you. And not only that, how much I first loved you before you even thought of me. And I had a revelation of the day I got saved. It had nothing to do with my great love for God. You know what your first love is when it comes to God? It's the realization of how much he loves you. And sometimes we need to pray the prayer without words. The prayer without words is the most powerful prayer that you can pray. See, we want to pray. You know, we think prayer is the on switch and that's it. God wants to get in there and show himself to you. If you want to get into the glory of God, which is the Holy of Holies, I'll tell you what. Do you know, hallelujahs and praise the Lord and I will enter his gate. That works in the outer courts. But you do that in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament and you died. It didn't work. Hallelujah don't work in the Holy of Holies. When the priest got in the Holy of Holies, he didn't say nothing. God did all the talking. (laughs) So when you're in the presence of God, just let God love you. Pray the prayer without words. And just learn how to, how to get into the presence of God and allow him to love you. He wants to give you a big hug. And you say, God? Well, of course he does. How many fathers and mothers love to hug their children? Uh, me. I still give this guy hugs. Amen. Even in public. And he lets me. Why? Because we love each other. And you see, you, you don't think God wants to do that to you? Absolutely. He does. And that's why we encourage the men, like we did last night, to read the Song of Solomon. But you've got to read it about half a dozen times at least. Men, especially men. Women read it and they get it the first or second time. Men have to, have to read it about a half a dozen times. You know why? They can't get past some of this stuff because I couldn't. I'm reading it and it's, you know, this is a love letter. Your nose is like the nose. Is, your nose is like the Tower of Damascus. What kind of a guy wants a woman with a nose like the Tower of Damascus? You see her coming three blocks away. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> it's the red light. Yeah, I mean, no. And so you have to read it with your spirit man and allow God begin to, sing, to begin to sing over you. He'll sing over you and he wants to love on you. I, I'm of this opinion. When you get real, real close to God, he just, he don't want you to go away. We may pull out and just, you know, walk away in the presence of God. God don't want you to. In fact, if the truth be known, when you come in the presence of God, he just assumes you just stay there forever and worship him. Now there's lots of work to do. We need to do all that stuff. But Mary took the better part. You see, and once you do that, you'd be surprised how God will change your identity. And your identity won't be in what you do. It'll be who you are. And then you can do the works. Then it's a rest. And then, you know what? If you really meet with God, you'll want to work. And you know what? It'll be out of a pure heart because you know him. (laughs) 
And then you can walk with him. Man, Lord, I need to preach. He said, that's, he's not holding me back. You ever had God tell you things like, um, I've been studying the glory of God for 22 years, not because I wanted to, but God said, I'm going to teach you on the glory of God. And I'm going to show you how it works. And I want you to minister and release the glory of God everywhere you go. So after about 15 years of studying the glory of God, releasing, learning things, how to, how to release it. Then God goes, Charlie, you don't know very much about the glory of God. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> 15 years? He goes, no. He says, you and the church. He often compares me to his church all the time. So I have to shoulder some of the blame because he's looking for somebody to talk to about his church. So he talks to me. So I say, well, praise God. The first few times I was offended. He goes, you're just like my church. I said, you're picking on me. He's going to pick on somebody, but it's good. You see, let God pick on you. If you'll let God come and tell you stuff that, uh, you know, we want all the goody, goody, goody words. But I found when you let God speak into your life, the things that you need to adjust. First of all, if you let him speak, somebody else won't have to call you out of a meeting to speak into that. So that's good. But if you let God speak to you, you'll find out what kind of a sense of humor God has. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he told me this, Charlie, you don't even know the first scripture about the glory of God. And I'm like, he says the most simple scripture. And I'm like, pardon me? And he, and he goes, Romans 3.23. And we all know Romans 3.23. I've quoted it many times to the unsaved, to people, you know, on the street and preach from Romans 3.23. What does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He said, read it again. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Read it again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I had a revelation. I've been telling people the wrong thing. What I've been telling them was, for all of sin, fall short of the glory of God means everybody's sin and fallen short of God. But you know what? That scripture doesn't say that. That scripture said we've fallen short of the glory of God. Think about it. Maybe you don't think about it, but I did because I've been studying and moving in the glory of God for 22, now 23 years. Because there's three things we need to get as Christians. Most of the church has got one. A large part of the church has got two. Very little of the church has got number three. And it's all about the last part of the Lord's Prayer. For that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So when you come into the kingdom and you're saved, you're born again. Woo! I'm saved! Born again! Going to heaven! Hallelujah! I'm in the kingdom! But there's more. Amen? You can have power, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So all of a sudden you step over here and you receive power from the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm speaking in tongues. Boom. And you know, the glory of God comes, start seeing a few miracles, gifts of the spirit kick in. But you see, for the last however many years that God's been moving like that. Have we made it to the top of the spiritual food chain? No, <laughs> we've got a lot of holes. You know why we have a lot of holes? We've never pressed into the glory of God. And when we've done it, the odd time we get disappointed by the failures of men. And so we back off. People start going to nice churches and things start fading away. You ever notice that? When God moves in glory and, and somebody fails, we just run away. But you see, for that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. God's only coming back for one kind of church. You know what kind of church? A glorious church. That's the only kind he's coming back. You better find out what the glory means. You better find out what, what the glory of God means to you, what God wants to do for you. Because there's three kinds of people that bear fruit in the kingdom. You can bear, this is, this is the amount of fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. Do you know what that means? Kingdom, power, glory. I want to get over here in 100 fold. Not just 100 fold return. I want to walk as a 100 fold Christian in the glory of God, as a son of God, filled with glory. And if you get close to the glory of God and ask God to fill you, you will have tremendous testimonies. That's the first thing that the glory of God will give you. Is a testimony of what? Encountering God. Everywhere you go. I mean everywhere you go. 
I've encountered God at baseball games, basketball games. Do you have that stuff here? Baseball, you know. Yeah, I mean, really, we're going to share some of those later on. Amazing miracles at basketball games. The miracle at the NBA game. Hallelujah. Yeah, I mean, miracles. But more than that, I've seen God do miracles in people's bodies, in their lives. I'm going to share a few testimonies of the glory of God to give you an idea that if you'll get close to God and just listen to him and just start to walk with him. You know why I like to walk when I preach? Enoch, walk with God. Really, I like to walk with God. I'm walking with God. That's why. I'm not doing this for your sake. I'm doing it for God's sake. I like to walk with God. Enoch, walk with God. So by faith, I'm walking with God. You'd be surprised at the revelations I get when I'm preaching. Just walking with God. Sometimes I'm talking to you and I'm listening to God. I don't even, I'm just, you know, hoping he's, what's coming from this. And it's really good because I'm going, oh God, that's really good. Hallelujah. <laughs> not only that, what happened? When Enoch walked with God, he was not because God took him. Yeah, I walk when I pray. And so here's a couple of testimonies I want to share to the glory of God. What happens when you get close to his presence and his glory and you begin to walk in a realm that you can't see, but it's more real than the one you can see. I used to walk when I pray. I mean, I, I still do, but I used to walk. It, uh, how long did this last? About two and a half months. God said, I want you to pray two and a half months, six days a week. I want you to walk. And he says, I'm going to tell you what to pray for. Actually, this went on for about a year. And I would walk back and forth and God would give me different things to pray about. And then one day God says this, I want you to begin to pray in tongues one hour. No more English, one hour tongues. You ever done that? You ever prayed in tongues for an hour? How many have ever done that? Wow, good. I'm among radical friends. Here's what happened to me. I was walking. All of a sudden I got to this wall right here. This wall right here. And all of a sudden I was praying in tongues. And God turned the volume to 10. And he threw the knob off. I couldn't go down. I could only in this loud voice praying in tongues right against the wall. At the end of the dining room table right against the wall. And I'm praying in tongues. I'm praying. And it's like the waterfall of God opens up. The glory of God is here. And I'm like. But then my mind kicked in. You ever have your mind kicked in? Your mind can be your worst enemy. Your mind can talk you out of the will of God. When you get in the spirit, the Bible says a carnal mind is that enmity against God. It's an enemy. So all of a sudden I said over there, hey, wait a minute. God is everywhere in my house. If I feel the presence of God right here, I should be able to feel it over here. So I went over in the living room and I went, nothing, no anointing, nothing. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm going to go over here. Yeah, that's good. Woo! Right in front of the wall. And, and what happened? The next night I'm praying, my mind kicks in. You know, I should be able to feel God everywhere. I mean, God's everywhere. Why do I just feel the presence of God there? You ever, you ever thought that? You walk into a certain place and bam, there's God. You walk three feet away, it's not there. Don't try to figure it out with your mind, first of all, because I did. And I kept going to different places. I got on the couch. Man, it's not happening. I come back over here. Volume to 10, God throws the knob off. And so, you know, to be honest with you, it just felt so good over there. I stayed there. One hour from 10 to 11 every night for six nights a week for two and a half months in one place. And that would have been fine, except we lived in an apartment. Somebody lived on the other side of that wall. After the first week, I'm going, you know, this woman is either deaf who lives over here. And I knew she lived with her 14 year old daughter or else God's doing something. And I'm just going to keep praying until the police show up. And so I'm praying after two and a half months, there's a knock on the door. It's the next door neighbor lady. And she says, uh, I said, hello. Here's how I answered the door. This is how I answered the door. 
I said, oh, hello. And I went like this to see if there were any uniformed officers. Nope. I said, hello. She goes, would you and your wife like to join us for lunch tomorrow? I said, what? <laughs> That's what I said. She goes, would you, would you and your wife like to join us for lunch? I went, okay, tomorrow? Okay. Noon? Okay. Close the door. I told Shirley, I said, Shirley, you're not going to believe it. The next door lady came over. She says, oh, no, what did she want? She wants us to come over for lunch. She goes, what? I said, that's what I said. We went over for lunch. She had, I don't think she wanted us very far into the house because she had her lunch set up right, right in the living room when we walked in on the, on the little coffee table. So we're sitting there. We're eating our sandwiches. She's eating her sandwich. They didn't say anything. They're, talk, they're sitting there looking at us. We're looking at them. You know, they're not saying anything. I'm going, what's going on here? You know, like, she's not talking. They're looking at her and her 14-year-old daughter. I finally, I said this, do you mind if I, you see, when I get in those situations, I start talking about God. I don't know about you. It just sort of comes out. I said, listen, do you mind if we talk about God? She goes, that's why we invited you. I said, pardon me. She said, yeah, that's why we invited you. We wanted you to talk about God. I'd never talked to them in my life about God or anything. So I'm like, what's going on? So I said, Shirley, would you uh, share your testimony? So she did. And I said, would you ladies like to accept Christ? They said, yes. We prayed to them. They got saved. We cried. They cried. They laughed. We laughed. And then her 14 year old daughter said this. She said, you don't know me, but she said for the last two and a half months, she says, I've been full of depression. And she said to the point for the last month and a half, she said, I wanted to kill myself every day. I was so suicidal. She said it was everything I could do not to kill myself. But she said at 10 o'clock every night, I would go and sit on the edge of my bed and I would wait for you to start talking in that funny language on the other side of my bedroom wall. Because when you started talking in that funny language, something came through the wall and it made all the depression go away. It made all the suicide thoughts go away. Radical Christianity is not based on how you feel. It's not based on rolling back and forth, even though that can be a good thing. It's based on humbling yourself and being obedient to what God wants you to do. And you'll see lives changed wherever you go. You know, I, I am really, I look for things to stretch my Christian walk. And I look for things to see how far God can go and what he'll do because he's a big God. And you know what? I worked in the school system for 12 years. Can you imagine they let me be a counselor in the school system? Public school system. I played basketball five years, and at the end of five years, they said, congratulations, you're, uh, here's a degree. And I said, well, I'll take that. What is it? Counseling. Okay, good. <laughs> That's basically it. I went through college on a basketball scholarship. I took psychology and counseling, I think, and I graduated. Hallelujah. Because in Canada, they put you in all the classes where the uh, university, I shouldn't tell you this, but I will anyway. Just don't bring the tape to Canada. Um, that they put you in classes of the uh, university professors that really like basketball. So I graduated. Hallelujah. I don't remember being in many of the classes, but I did have a counseling degree. <laughs> and I do. So I work for the school. Oh, I'm so happy. See, God got me through. You know why? Because I got to be around young people all the time. And I, I noticed something. They love the glory of God. Oh, I mean, they like it. They like that. We'd have up to seven kids just come to my desk and sit there. And they'd say things like this. We're talking about you have, the only way you can get in that school is to get kicked out of another school. <laughs> what a school. Hallelujah. We're the school of where all the other class, their teachers and principals didn't want their kids, so they come to us. It's called an alternate school. So we had the alternate kids. But you know what they liked? They liked the glory. And they would sit there, and they would say things like, what is that that we feel in the, when we're around your desk? I said, that's the glory of God. 
They go, the glory of who? I said, God. You heard of God? Well, I went to church once. And then they would begin to tell me what they thought about God because I'd ask him. God says, ask him what he thinks about God. I remember this, the first guy I asked that too. He's got long hair. And these guys look like fish lures. There's so many hooks and earrings and rings and all over there. And he goes, well, man, when I go to church, I don't feel very accepted. And I was just going to straighten him out about how good the church is. You know, don't defend, don't defend the church. You don't have to. Because as soon as he said that, the Lord said this to me. Yeah, I feel that way too when I go to church. He goes, ask that person over there. And I'm like, these are people like with blue, purple, green, and every other hair, you know, and that's one side of their head. They're just like color, you know, everything, you know how it is. Oh, I learned to love those kind of kids. You know why? They thought like Jesus did, and I didn't even know it. They would say, you know, I feel that, you know, I feel lonely when I go to church. Jesus goes, yeah, me too. And and I begin to learn about church through the world, you know, and I, I begin to find out why Jesus hung out with those kind of people and didn't go and live in the synagogue or in the temple. He hung out with people like that. The poor in the spirit, poor of spirit. Didn't have much going on the outside, but inside they were hungry for truth. Oh, hallelujah. They would come to our revival meetings. They would come to see God putting in gold caps in people's mouth. They got caps in their mouth. They got saved. We had one guy we brought. Todd was ministering one night and God started capping people's teeth and people would open up their mouth. And this guy, Todd's preaching. And this guy that I brought, not saved, never been to church. He looks in this guy's mouth next to him. And he says, have you ever had that gold teeth before? And the guy goes, ah, no. He goes, well, you do now. And he runs up and he stands right in front of Todd. Todd just about bowls him over. And Todd goes, what are you doing up here? And he goes, I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. He goes, why? He said, because I saw God put gold teeth in that guy's mouth. I mean, that'll do it. Hallelujah. You see, this, like we said last night, this church is called to go out. You ain't going to be a sitting church, I'll tell you, because you're not. You're a church that God has called to go out. Especially young people, man, I'm telling you, you guys have it made. Literally, if you have a desire and a fire for God, God will spare no expense to get you out because you've got what it takes. You know, if God can trust the, the, the salvation of the world in a t- with a teenage girl named Mary, and she was a teenager, that's my, uh, I did go to Bible school, and that school I had to work. They wouldn't put me through. But I studied how old Mary was when she had Jesus, and I looked at every book, and you know what? She was a teenager. Did you know that? And God entrusted the salvation of mankind with a teenager. And you don't think that we can entrust these kids with some good stuff? Well, absolutely. You see, because they've got their whole life ahead of them. And plus, they don't have all the religion I had to get rid of over the years. <laughs> I, went, I was just in Wales a couple of months ago where they had the Welsh Revival. You guys heard about that here? You know where Wales is? We're practically cousins, by the way. Do you know that we have the queen in our 22? We have the queen in Canada in our 20. We, we, in case you thought it was American, I am Canadian. I just look American. And, and uh, that we have the queen in all our coins. Yeah, we have, so we're like cousins. And, and Wales are too. We go over there. We feel right at home. They get the queen in all their money. And you know, I was, I was at the church where they had the Welsh revival where it started. Evan Roberts, you heard of him? Evan Roberts. And I'm looking at, there was four pictures in front of me. And they had the curator was showing us the whole thing. And he goes, I'm standing there. I'm going, you know, where are the people? Because there's pictures all over. I said, where are the guys that are responsible for the Welsh revival? And he goes, oh, you're standing in front of them. And I look at these four pictures and I go, no, no, no. I mean the people that God used to start the Welsh revival. And he goes, the four pictures in front of you. And I'm looking, there's only four. And there's some over here and there. And I'm like, he goes, the ones in front of you, these four. He comes up and I'm like, no, 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 no. The people that God, he goes, them. And I'm, you know, you know who the four pictures were? Evan Roberts, 26 years old. Do you know who the leading evangelists were? Two 16-year-old girls. 16. 16. And it says under them, this girl's name, leading evangelist, 16 years old. I'm like, 
This one, and you know who the, the worship leader, the, the main worship leader for the Welsh revival was 19 years old. She was real old. <laughs> God doesn't think the way you and I think. He really doesn't. You see, if we'll trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not upon our own understanding. If in all our ways we'll acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. I used to do a TV show. It was called The Real World. It was cable Christian TV. That's <laughs> a dangerous thing to watch. But anyway, and sometimes the shows were really good and sometimes they weren't. But I always prayed that the glory of God would come on our shows. And uh, this one time we joined hands and I began to pray before the program. And this prayer came out of my mouth. You know what? I learned that God will make my mouth do whatever it wants. I've given it to him. And every now and then I pray a prayer that I didn't even think of praying. I don't even know why I prayed it. But at the end, oh, to see God move. So give God your mouth today. Open your mouth and let him fill it. And I prayed this prayer. Lord, if there's somebody watching the program tonight and they want to get up and change the channel, I said, God, push them back in the chair. Make them watch in Jesus' name. And all the cameramen ran off after I prayed that prayer. And I said, that was a strange prayer. That was Thursday night. Our show happened to be on from 10 to 11 at that time. Guess what happened Sunday night after the Sunday morning service? Here comes Elder Bob, and he's making a beeline for me. And when an elder walks like this and his eyes are, you know, you know somebody at the back needs deliverance or something's going on. And he goes, Charlie, there's a guy at the back. It looks like he hasn't slept for three days. He's really in a mess. He obviously needs ministry. We've got backup right beside him, but he only wants to talk to you. And, uh, and I said, well, you come with me, Bob. So we go back and there's this guy sitting there. His hair is all disheveled. It looked like he hasn't slept for three days. His clothes are all wrinkled. He's got, you know, he's got like three days of facial hair and he's sitting there and he looks a mess. He looked like he just walked off the street. And yet when the guy starts talking, I'm like, man, this guy seems okay. He says, my name is Norm Bourne. The first thing he said is I have not slept for three days. He says on Thursday night, I sat down to watch television and I thought I turned to channel two at 10 o'clock to watch the news. And he said, it inadvertently turned to channel three. And he said, I saw you. And he said, I'll be honest with you. I don't like Christians and I don't go to church. I'm 42. I've been to church twice in my life. And he said, when I heard you begin to speak, he said, I got angry. And he said, I went to grab the remote off the table. And when I stood up to get the remote, he said, a big hand pushed me in the chair. And he said, a voice said to me, watch that show. And I'm sitting there. He goes, I'm like, he starts crying. You know why? He thought he was going crazy. He had no reference for this. A big hand, a voice. To show how dramatic this was, he had to immediately do the laundry after this experience. Because he sat there in fear for 15 minutes watching me. <laughs> Who knows what I said? It didn't really matter. Because after 15 minutes, a number came on the screen. And the voice said, phone that number right now. And so he jumped out of his chair and phoned the number. And they, they wouldn't tell him what my home number phone home phone number was, but they told him where I went to church. So there he was on Sunday. And he's crying. He goes, am I going crazy? I said, I have good news for you. I said, Thursday night, I said, I prayed a prayer for you. And I said, I prayed a prayer that if there was somebody that wanted to get up and get out of their seat and change the channel, that God would push them back. And I said, you know what? God's grace pushed you back in that chair and made you watch. I said, would you like to accept Jesus Christ? What do you think he said? Yeah! <laughs> he wanted to get out of those clothes. But anyway... He got saved. Ken Gretter, he's uh, Todd Bentley's uh, missions director now, baptized him in water. And he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We bought him a Bible. And at the end of one year, we had to buy him another Bible. Because he ripped the pages. were just He read the pages off the Bible. So would you too, if God spoke to you. 
You see, can God do that kind of stuff? Absolutely. We need to get on the edge and believe that God will begin to do that kind of stuff. And God is doing that all over the world. All we have to do, all we have to do is step out. See, our job is only stepping out. But that's where your dignity comes into play. Because the enemy will say, and your mind, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it doesn't? So what? You go, next. <laughs> that's what you do. When it doesn't work, next. You don't stop just because something doesn't work. You don't stop because you might feel embarrassed. You go through and then you see what God can do. Because on the other side of embarrassment is the reality of the kingdom. On the other side of your dignity is the reality of who you are. Because as soon as you break through your dignity into obeying God, all of a sudden the purpose of why you were born begins to come into effect. And you begin to see why God put you on this earth. And it was for his glory. The purpose that you're on, the, on this earth is for his glory. Not just so that you can glorify him, but that you can see his glory. That you can know him. That you can walk with him. And all of a sudden God will begin to show up everywhere you go even in the bad places even I mean I've been in places we 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 had this uh this nice bam boom bam we had this nice program in our church where that's praise the Lord in Canada by the way what I just said there we have this program in church when you come you fill in this nice form and it says you know uh you know where are you from and you're visiting but then there's a little box and it says do you have a home church and if it says no we go and visit and we send three people out well I was, i've been on the team for years and so this one lady she was 65 years old seemed pretty safe to me and you know we're going to visit this lady at this apartment building but i never really went to that part of town our, our city's about 150,000 people it's outside of vancouver british columbia on the west coast of canada and so we go and there's this great big apartment building like a big one well, nobody told us it was the crack apartment of Abbotsford. No, they forgot to neglect that. That's what, that's where the gangs are and the drug dealers, the pimps, the prostitutes. And I mean, it was, I mean, once I got about 10 feet away, I'm going, wait a minute, something wrong with this building. So we walk in and here's a gang. Now, I don't know about here. Do you guys have gangs? And you say, oh, well, these guys are nasty looking individuals. And they're all sitting like, they all look like they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And they're looking as ugly as they can be just for you. You know, they want, really want to bless you. And they're sitting there and we come in and they start to swear at us. I mean, they don't know why we're there. We're just walking in, three of us. And they're swearing as, as we walk by. Somebody in our group goes, Jesus loves you in a loud voice. And as I walked by, I realized it was me. It just came out of my mouth. I'm going, what did I do? And I could, the other two guys are walk, walk, walk. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Room, oh, yeah, right down here. And so, I mean, we picked up the pace. Hallelujah. We're going to witness. Get away from these guys. And I could hear them. They're coming by. What did you say in there? And I'm like, these guys, they mean business. And they, you know, they might have put a few people in the turf too. Who knows? And so we go down there and we're on floor. We're on the first floor of all places. And they can see us. They're looking at us from the foyer and we're knocking on the door and the lady's not there. So we got to go right back where we came from. Well, what would you do? Well, first of all, I took a deep breath. <laughs> Once I got closer to them, I didn't take any, they stunk. But anyway, I didn't take any deep breaths. We got near them and they're like, and then they began to tell us what they were going to do to us, that they were going to beat us up, that they were going to lay, you know, they were just, all these wonderful things are going to do to us. And I thought, God, what do I do? He says, get out your grenade. Yeah, we carry grenades. Kingdom Advancement Ministries. <laughs> they, they, they taught you how to carry grenades and believe in the glory. You know what a grenade is? You know, a bomb is a big Bible. A grenade is one of those little Bibles. So I grabbed my grenade and I just started reading scriptures. For God so loved the world. And they're screaming at me and I'm reading the Bible. And they're telling, I mean, they're saying in no uncertain terms, they're going to punch my lights out. I kept reading the Bible. And the more I read, the more they yelled, but at least they weren't hitting me. Hallelujah. It was a good thing. And so I read about five or six scriptures. At the end of five or six scriptures, God says this to me. This is in my home city. This happened to me, not somebody else, me. And, and uh, by the grace of God, I mean, I, I'm not an expert on getting beat up in apartments. I'm just reading my Bible and God, please speak to me. 
So he says, have an altar call, Charlie. This is not the place you have an altar call. You know, I see that hand. I mean, you don't want to do that. So I, this is what it did. I didn't think about it. When God speaks to you, if you want to see the miraculous, let God speak to you. And when he speaks to you, just do it. Don't think. Or you'll think yourself right out of a miracle. That's what I've learned. When God speaks, do it as quickly as I can. Hallelujah. Woo! God's touching people today. You know what? God is going to transform lives today with his glory. Because there's a dimension that God is requiring of us. Now, it's not an option. We could walk in this every day. I mean, maybe not this. You don't want to walk in this. But you can walk in the glory of God every day. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I said, we can have an altar, we're going to have an altar call right now. And then that really got him mad. And I said, you know why? I said, because if you guys all die and go to hell, I won't be responsible. And then they all shut up. They hadn't thought about that. I said, yeah. If you guys died right now, I said, and you went to hell, I won't, I won't be responsible. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. And the elders looked at me. They were really mad, but they couldn't talk. And I said, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I'm going to pray this prayer. You can pray it or not pray it. I don't care. It's up to you. But if you die and go to hell, I'm not going to be responsible for you. And I began to pray. I said, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. And I left a little room for somebody to pray. Well, nobody prayed until I got to this part of the prayer. I said, Jesus, have mercy on me. When I said that, the guy next to me, the power of God, it was like lightning came right out of the ceiling. And he goes, God, have mercy on me. Oh, God, have mercy on me. And then bam, 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 five guys screaming out for God, have mercy on them. And I just, and the last guy over here, I found it after. The one guy that didn't get touched is a backslidden Christian who looked at all of them. But God's glory came on them. Now, there's something about the glory of God. If you're hungry for God, it's a wonderful thing. But if you want to beat up a Christian and the glory shows up, not a good thing. Well, it ended up being good. You know why? Because they started to scream real loud. I let them scream. I didn't butt in. I started enjoying this. Ah! That was good. Freaked out is very good when it comes to the kingdom. Because most people think they have it all figured out. And when God shows up, guess what? They don't. Neither did you. Neither do I. Neither did I. And, you, and you, we had five young people saved. Now, all of a sudden, they're not gang guys. They're young people. And all of a sudden, their faces are transformed. And they love Jesus with all of their heart. And their lives are changed in front of you. And then we had two Bible studies a week in that place. Two, why? Because the glory showed up. See, God's glory will show up. And you know, our Christianity is not just coming to church on Sunday and just Shabbat Abaranda and having a good time in the presence of God. It's when you go outside. It's wherever you go. It's the presence of God touching people wherever you go. It's allowing God to come out of you and jump on somebody else. Yes, jump on somebody else. God wants to touch people through you. But I got news for you. You're the only body he's got. That's it. The body of Christ on the earth and, and those that are in heaven, that's it. There is no other body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. And so he, you know, he wants, to, he wants to hug people through you. He wants to touch people through you. He wants to do miracles through you. Hallelujah. Oh, isn't that good? God wants you to touch the world. Hallelujah. God wants you to minister to people. God wants you to see miracles everywhere you go. Why? Because his glory is upon you. But you know, it doesn't happen if you're a casual Christian. Why? Because his glory doesn't come on you. And God wants you to know that his presence, as you allow his presence to come up upon you, and as you allow yourself to be a habitation of his presence, where his presence comes to dwell, then he'll begin to flow out of you. And the Bible says that sons and daughters will come to the rising of the glory of God that is in your life. Isn't that good? Oh, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you today. for your. We're not done, but I'm going to pray a prayer. 
We thank you today for your glory in this room, that you're able to transform us. And Lord, you're able to change us from glory to glory as we behold you. God, open up our hearts, open up our eyes to be able to see you today in Jesus' name. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. You know, Paul prayed an awesome prayer in Ephesians. Most of us here in this room, we need God to open up our eyes. We need the Lord. Like last night, there were some people that God opened their eyes. There were some people that are here that God opened their eyes. They saw some awesome stuff in the spirit. They saw God doing awesome things. There was visitations. There was encounters in the spirit. You know what happens when you're in the spirit? You see. Did you know that? John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Guess what happened? God opened up his eyes and he saw. He saw all sorts of stuff. And when, when the glory of God comes and it really comes and you enter in and his presence comes upon you and he begins to move, you begin to see. Because God not only wants you to hear, but he wants you to see. So Paul prayed this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Say Father of glory. You see, you need a revelation of the Father of glory. So do I. And when you get a revelation of the Father of glory, your life begins to change. Why? Because it's not just the glory of God, a thing. It's the Father of glory. Because the glory of God is God's presence revealed to you. It's His manifest presence of God. You see, what God does, He he doesn't just want you to feel His glory. He wants you to see His glory. Hallelujah. Because John's testimony was this. We testify of what we have both seen and heard. Not just seen. Have you guys ever heard that song, Video Killed the Radio Star? In New Zealand? That disco song? Do you know when that song was written? 1973, not 1981. Do you know how I know? This is part of my testimony. (laughs) Some of you are going, what? No, no, Video Killed the Radio Star. Do you guys ever heard of that song? You have? It's what? What's that? And they play Video Killed the Radio Star in that game? Man, that, we can't get rid of that song. But anyway, 1973, first year of college. First day at college, 1973. I'm in a place called Sherbrooke, Quebec. I'm on Wellington Street on Sherbrooke, Quebec. I mean, you guys don't even know where Sherbrooke is, right? Have you ever heard of Sherbrooke? No. I'm on Wellington Street. I go into the stereo store. There's a song on the radio in 1973. Video killed the radio star. And it's video killed the radio star. That's, I mean, it's really, it's this weird tripped out song and these girls are singing and the video killed the radio star. And you know what? I couldn't get rid of that song for 32 years. Every now and then, it, it wasn't like demonic. It would just flow back into my memory. Video killed the radio star. And it was like a fly. I tried to get rid of it. What? That song again. I'd be in a plane video. And I'd be like, God, what is that? For 32 years. Do you know what happened last year? 32 years later, after that song, I was in Sherbrooke, Quebec. They moved the conference that I was speaking at with one of the other Fresh Fire guys. They moved it to Wellington Street on Sherbrooke, Quebec. And as I'm driving up there, I'm going, that song, video killed the rock. I'm like, oh God, I can't get away from it. So we're doing a conference and we've got Matt Sorger and, and I'm ministering there. And Matt's, Matt ministers the first night. Have you ever heard of Matt Sorger? Anybody heard of him? One person. That's okay. Two. Hallelujah. He was he's with Todd Bentley and some of the guys that there he ministered. Well, anyway, he ministered that night. And three doors down on Wellington Street in Sherbrooke, 32 years later, I'm having a poutine. Do you know what a poutine is? Oh, that is, listen, 
That is, you should make that your own. That'll go over big here. It's French fries, curd cheese, and gravy. No? Okay, well, I tried. That's how they eat in Quebec. Anyway, I was having one because I like them. What do you think song came? What song do you think came on the radio? 32 years later on Wellington Street in Sherbrooke, video killed the radio star. And when it came on, I shouted out, that song! And everybody in the restaurant turned. <laughs> Matt goes, what song? Video killed? I said, yeah, that song. I said, that means something. That song means something. And it means something tonight. And I said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray because that song's been in my mind for 32 years. I'm going to find out what it means. So I went back and I prayed. I said, God, you're going to give me a sermon for tomorrow because I'm speaking tomorrow. What does video kill the radio star me? And God spoke to me so clear. I'm so happy he spoke to me. See, God will do that for me. He'll speak to me in very unusual ways. And I lose all my dignity, but it doesn't matter because he speaks to me. And that's all I want. I want to know him. I want to see him. I want to walk with him like Enoch walked with him. I want to see him. I want to hear his voice. He said this. You see, because you know what the song is about? Video Kill the Radio Star is about when the radio was big back in the 20s and 30s and 40s, at least in North America, and they had those great big radios. Did you guys have that here? The big old radios and the whole family would sit around the radio and, you know, they'd tune in and listen to their favorite radio song. I mean, I don't remember that, but I do remember listening to big radio back in the, in the 50s when I was a little kid. And a little, 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 little kid. But anyway. And so, uh, you know, families did that. And the radio star was the big guy. And now the Lux radio station presents. You know, that's the, he was the big guy. But when television came in, it just about completely replaced the radio. Do you know why? Because now, instead of only hearing, you could see and hear. And then God spoke to me. And he said, Charlie, the day of the hearing only prophetic is over. The day of the hearing only is over. We've had enough hearing only prophetic. This is where we've missed it, you guys. We were never meant to have a hearing only prophetic. A yea, yea, I say unto thee. Uh, listen, that's, and that's good, but there's something better. It's seeing what God is doing. Jesus did not say, I only do what I hear my Father saying. He said, I only do what I see my Father doing. Do you know that Paul, Jesus, and John made a word for word statement that was absolutely identical? And this is what they all three of them said. We testify of what we have both seen and heard, not just heard. Most of the body has been taught to hear. Very few people have been taught how to see. And that's our problem. Because in the natural, if I can only hear and not see, I am blind. And because we don't see, we make, a, we make judgments according to the flesh and we devour each other in the church. Because we don't understand what's going on in the spirit, we judge people and we use our tongue. And we kill and devour each other. I'm telling you, that's why we have problems. Do you know why we have so many problems in the church? It's this right here. Oh yeah, we pray for revival and then we hate our brother. Forget it, you won't get revival. Unless you love your brother. Unless you learn how to love the church next door. Unless you learn how to love your pastor and not have him for supper that night. When you're sitting around the table. Unless you learn how to allow God to change this, to change this. Because you can't go and start controlling your tongue. No man can control the tongue, the Bible says. But you can change this. Because out of your belly, out of, the in, out of your inward man, the mouth speaketh. So this is what you have to let God touch you. Hallelujah. And you see, we've had too much of this only. The word only. You know what? We have lots of prophecies and lots of prophetic. Thank God for prophecies and prophetic people and prophets. 
But God wants to speak to his body, and he's going to do it. Whether the church establishment likes it or not, God's going to begin to allow the church to begin to see and hear what he's doing, not just hear. He's going to bring us into a dimension of habitation and visitation where he comes, and he shows us what, what, what he's doing, not just hearing what he's doing. We have to learn how to see. And it's not as hard to see in the spirit as what you think. And it is definitely not for who you think the spiritual giants are. Oh, the prophets. You see, that's where the prophetic movement, and I'm, I'm a part of that in, the, in North America. But that's where we failed. You know where we failed? We've sort of said without saying it, look at us. We have giftings. We can see some stuff, but you don't worry about it. We'll see for you. Well, that doesn't work. That's flaky. No, prophets have a certain position. But everybody, I mean, everybody can see and hear what God is doing in some level of their life. Hallelujah. So we need that. Video killed the radio star. That day is over of hearing only. Yay, yay, I say unto thee. <laughs> I used to prophesy like that. I thought that was really anointed. And if you got a few thousand thus in there, that was really good. Yay, yay, I say unto thee, thou art good. Or something like that. I mean, what is that? Did that make it more spiritual? No. That's where I was at the time. But I found out that God don't even speak that way. I was really shocked to find out God didn't speak King James. I was sure that Paul spoke King James, weren't you? <laughs> uh, okay oh thank you lord so here's what god wants to do he wants to open up the eyes of your understanding that you could both <laughs> see and hear i'm going to tell you a few baseball uh, baseball testimony because i used to be in love with sports i actually went into sports to become somebody until god delivered me and my god died hallelujah i had i had a god of basketball because i was very insecure when i was younger and I had to do something to compensate for my insecurity. And so you know what I did? I decided to be a good basketball player. I was 6'5". I couldn't... Do you guys have basketball here? Yeah, okay. 10-foot rim, basketball court. Okay. You know who Kobe Bryant is? Okay, good enough. Um, so I used to play that sport. I could not even touch the rim. I was flat-footed. I was the second slowest guy on my team. And the slowest guy on my team had a bum leg. So, I mean, that's, I wasn't very good. I couldn't shoot. I mean, I'd get two feet from the rim inside on the basket and I'd miss. I mean, I was a terrible basketball player, but I decided to be good. And I found one thing that I could be good at. I couldn't hit a basket from two feet away, but from 22 feet away, I couldn't miss. And so I started shooting outside. Well, you know what? People like to see that. And I would be way outside and take long shots. And all of a sudden, I began to score 10 points a game, 20 points a game, 30 points a game. One game, I scored 52 points, which is a record. I scored 32 points in a college basketball game and a half. That's another record. And I was like, wow, what's going on? And I became somebody. Charlie, the dignified basketball player. And it filled a big hole. The problem was God wanted to fill that place. Uh, and so I became somebody in basketball. I became somebody because I worked hard at it. And then one day, I was already a Christian. One day, God demanded that from me because he wanted to change my identity from Charlie, the basketball player, to somebody that loves Jesus Christ with all of his heart. And then one day, it died. And I knew I was the best basketball player that I knew at the time anywhere in North America. I led the United States in scoring one year in college basketball, but I lived in Canada. Figure that out. <laughs> 